Live. Welcome to Studio B Live. This is David Burns from deep within a snowdrift in the frozen tundra of central Illinois. And I'm here with my wife, Sherry. And today we're going to finally get around to sharing another Studio B Live. Hi, Sherry. Hi. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, same to you. I always wonder who should buy who a gift. Is it that the wife should buy the husband a Valentine gift, or am I supposed to buy you a gift? Um, you're supposed to buy me a gift. Why is that? Because I'm your Valentine's <laughs> too. I don't get that. I'm I'm just teasing you, but I got you this year what you got me. Oh, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. the same thing, didn't we? Yeah. Which is, what, nothing? <laughs> <laughs> when you get our age and you have such a wonderful marriage, what else is there to get, right? We have Valentine's Day every day. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out what St. Valentine's Day is. I guess it must have been some saint that did something, but I don't remember. I don't remember why we celebrate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, somebody out there knows, don't they? One of our seven listeners will be able to tell us probably. You know, actually, more and more people I meet in different places listen to our studio Be Live broadcast, and it's kind of amazing. I f- every time somebody says, I listen to your podcast all the time, I feel more guilty for not making more. <laughs> at our last B class, several people said they listened to all of them. And, and then we have the one uh, police officer uh, in another state who listens to them. And uh, so, you know, we have to we have to keep them coming to keep people going. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> well, you didn't seem too enthused about it, huh? Yeah, that's right. It, it does take a little bit of time, doesn't it, to put things together for a broadcast. But uh, we do. We do want to do better. You think we'd have, you know, in the wintertime, what else is there to do, right? But there's a lot else to do. Well, this is our busy time of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is when we get really, really busy. January 1st to about May 1st, we go crazy. So this would not be the, necessarily the time to make broad podcasts. We ought to do that in the summertime, but I don't think people would listen to them necessarily mm-hmm. in the summertime. But anyway, here we are, St. Valentine's Day, February the 14th, 2010, making another podcast for all of our listeners out there who just love to hear them. And I think they like it when we, um, I think they like it the most when we tell them crazy things about what's happened in our days. Yeah, maybe so. And it all, and I don't know if anything crazy happens in my life, but it does in yours, Sherry. <laughs> you have challenges every day out there with your animals. And uh, I get along fine with my bees, but sometimes you struggle with those chickens of yours, don't you? You had a real episode the other day you want to tell the folks about it well talking about your bees first of all you know one of the questions that people ask us a lot is well what kind of time commitment do bees have and compared to other animals <laughs> there's hardly no time commitment to keeping bees whatsoever but yeah, especially in the winter time it's hands off isn't it? right and that's when i spend the most time with my chickens because i've got there's so much you have to do taking care of them and you know opening up doors and taking in fresh water to them and all that kind of stuff and we're in the summertime i can just open up the coop door and they can just go but yeah and i I wanted a title i thought of a good title for for this podcast i thought about calling it dogs bees cruises and dead chickens so they've kind of wet their appetite (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I want to cruise after <laughs> after what I've gone through. We, we'll have to start calling this Chicken Studio Chicken Live. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to talk about your chickens. Your chickens are dumb. My bees are intelligent. Uh, well, that's, that's probably true. I thought about instead of a podcast, it ought to be called a hivecast. <laughs> I mean, it's not a pod, it's a hive. But go on with your story. Okay, well, anyway, <clears throat> so we're taking care of this dog for, I won't say who, but it's a <laughs> it's not our dog. It's a family member. <laughs> and I had gone into the shed yesterday to get more sawdust. So all of you who buy hives, your sawdust goes into the chicken coop <laughs> and it ends up making compost in my garden. So we use a- anything we can use on the farm, we use it. And the compost is placed in our garden and gets and produces food. So in a, in a way, there's no waste in the excess sawdust. We eat the leftover hive parts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And see, the sawdust turns into honey because... The bees get wow. on my plants. That's they true. get on the green beans and the wow. tomato flowers, and, the, and it turns it into honey. Oh, yeah. So the sawdust from the beehives turns into honey. No waste here. There's no there's no waste here. Anyway, so I went into the shed, and this dog was with me. And so I picked up yeah, a big... No. It's not our dog. It's, it's a, not it's our dog. dog. We agreed to watch while somebody else was That's gone right. for two weeks. My, my dogs are well-behaved around the chickens. So... I turned my back for one minute to get a, a shovel full of sawdust in that, and I went to open the door to get out with that shovel full of sawdust, and that dog zipped right out. <clears throat> and at first, I didn't really think anything about it until I heard all the squawking going on. And before I could get there, that dog had gotten into my chicken coop and had a chicken in its mouth. And so I was yelling and screaming for people to come help me. And the dog, the dog um, dropped one chicken and picked up the other chicken and killed my other chicken. <laughs> I was just oh, wow. screaming, and chickens were were bouncing off the walls and in my face. And there was there was feathers and sawdust in the air, and I was screaming. And <laughs> pretty yeah. soon David comes running outside to see what happened, but that dog took out. Two of my chickens, I guess it could have been worse, but... Yeah, I thought it would have been. <sighs> but needless to say, I didn't think I could keep the dog around. Yeah, he was not... A, he, too young. He's only a year old. He's a big dog. And he needs trained, doesn't he? Mm. I told uh, the person we're watching, I, when I told him what the dog had done, I said, Boy, I don't know, when when you come back, this dog might be wearing a 9 millimeter. You might not have a dog. <laughs> so we had to finally just take him. And he, we have two dogs that are big dogs, and and they got along good for a day or two. But, boy, our dogs got tired of that dog. They were fighting all the time. And so we said, Okay, that dog going to the kennel. <laughs> so Sherry proceeds to take the dog to the kennel. Oh, that's a funny story. I didn't think it was funny till I got home and I was retelling the story, and I realized how funny it was. Okay, well, so here's the deal. I don't know. A lot of people know what your other job is. Do they? Uh, probably they do if they read the website. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I pastor a little home church that I've been with for 15 years now. And, you know, we do we do Christian work in Africa and mission work. So I, I've talked about it on our different lessons at times. So they probably know, but if those that don't, they do now. 
Okay, well, anyway, I need to take this dog into the kennel, and I found this little kennel in the phone book, and she told me where she was located. And so I drive into this town, and I realize that the kennel is right off the parking lot of this liquor store. Now, I don't frequent liquor stores. <laughs> <laughs> she lets me buy her liquor for her. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't have a problem with people who do, but you just don't necessarily find your pastor's wife at the liquor store, you know. Mm. But the only Although it's place, probably well-deserving. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially after the day, the more the carnage that I had just been through, I probably deserved oh, being there yeah, at the liquor store. Yeah. <clears throat> but the... Um, but this kennel was at the end of the parking lot, and it had it didn't have any parking of its own, so I had to park in the parking lot of the liquor store. And so um, they hadn't plowed it out, and Illinois is like all the other 49 states that have <laughs> snow. We've 48. Had, that's only, Hawaii doesn't have any snow. <laughs> they might. Yeah, that's true. And it, they didn't plow out the liquor store parking lot, and I was in David's big truck now david's got tell him what kind of a truck you have well, it's a one ton uh uh chevy truck you know with dualies and i've got you know a real loud exhaust system that sounds it's a real man truck you know it's loud yeah so i i was in that truck with that dog and so i i had to park in the in the liquor store parking lot and i got out you know took the dog into the kennel and Came back out, and I I had stuck that truck. It's just a two-wheel yeah. drive, and I had stuck that truck in the snow in that parking lot. So here I am, the pastor's wife. I'm at the liquor store in this big truck, <laughs> and I can't get it out. And so I'm revving it up, you know, with these, these big... This what did you what what what's it called? Your big pipes? What? No, I just took the muffler off. It's straight pipes. It's I mean it's this it's got a it's got a four eighty four hot rod engine in it. It is loud. It is deafening. And she's out there just wow in the liquor store parking lot like a like a drunk trying to figure his way home or something. And so I'm putting it in reverse and going, you know, putting it in drive and putting it in reverse and putting it in drive and I'm there for ten minutes and I'm thinking to myself, by now I would have thought it like two or three or four guys would have stumbled out of that liquor store <laughs> thinking they were gonna help me get out of the parking lot, but nobody ever came out of it. And here's the pastor's wife just gunning this truck back and forth in the liquor store parking lot. And I guess I finally melted the snow down enough that I finally inched my way out of that liquor store parking lot. And, mm. <laughs> and then I finally got myself home. Uh, I was more worried about the dog in the truck with you. I've never had good luck with a dog in the car with me. They get a, One time I was driving a car. I had a Jeep at the time, and I was I was working for a radio uh, station, and I was coming home after a broadcast, and it had one of those, uh, what do you call them, a cloth top or, you know, a bikini top or whatever. <laughs> That's what they call them. And I, it was, I don't know, in Illinois, we have, it was a windy day, and I passed this semi, you know, he was going the opposite direction I was. <laughs> oh, did he tear off your bikini top? No, but he did blow out a back window. I mean, it oh. popped a zipper off of it, and that, when he passed me, it just went, real loud you know and i had a dog with me it was a medium-sized dog about the size of this one that you took to the pound that dog was so scared of that noise that boom 
he, he jumped up and crawled <laughs> crawled underneath my driver's seat while I'm going like 60 miles an hour. And there's no space down there. He was so scared he climbed under it <laughs> and peed. <laughs> <laughs> And when, oh. when I got home, Sherry, I thought I was going to have to take the seat out. Oh. I could not get that dog out from underneath that seat. He was so stuck. <laughs> and I, <laughs> he would never get in that Jeep, Jeep again. again. It was scared. It spooked him to death, so. Well, we love dogs. We have two beautiful dogs, and they're great. And they're well-behaved, aren't they? Yes. Wow, they love chi- they love our chickens. They do. They, do. they, they have, guard our chickens. They have a job to perform. Everybody that lives here works, and our dogs work, and they're well rewarded for that at the end of the day. And what we can't understand is how some dogs, some people don't train their dogs. That's what this other dog, we had to take to the pound. Our dogs will... The kennel. We took it to the kennel. Yeah. Our dogs respond to commands, and we teach them that way. And they're almost like people. We have one dog. It's a white walker coonhound, and she sleeps back in our bathroom at night uh, near the back door. But uh, she she sometimes likes to go upstairs because there's a bed up there, like a guest bed up there, and she likes to sneak up there and lay in that bed. And she's got long toenails that you can hear walking across the kitchen floor. And one day I was back in the back of the house. I didn't see her, but I heard her. And the baby was sleeping, so I didn't want to yell at her. But when I heard her toenails, I just went like this. I just snapped my fingers, and then I could hear her turn around and go back. <laughs> they are that good, but so we can't really understand why we don't tolerate dogs that don't behave, do we? Well, I think I think nowadays too many people look at them as just pets and entertainment, and they really I think you're doing a service to dogs by by training them mm-hmm. and. Yeah, and taking care, and taking care of them and making them work. Yeah, I think that's what dogs are are meant yeah. for. Yeah, we live in the country, so our dogs are, you know, they they protect, they they bark when somebody comes down the road, and all oh, this is really good. And, and a lot of times, people have said to us, you know, we've got beehives, and we've got coons, and we've got skunks, and we've got, you know, bears, and whatever else, and nothing will leave my my. Uh, beehives alone and we always say get yourself a couple of dogs mm-hmm. and and you will not have problems with skunks and coons and things when you have dogs yeah and if i can make this transition from dogs to bees some people call me and they'll say hey i read your lesson that you should have two hives instead of one i should buy two hives instead of one and i've got this great saying that i made up it sounds kind of country but i tell people i'd say you know here's why you should have two hives because if you have two hives it's like i say it's like having dogs if you have two dogs and one dog gets killed or dies, you still got a dog. <laughs> but if you only got one dog and your dog gets ran over and dies, you ain't got no dog no more. I say, so you need two hives for that reason. In case one dies, you're still in the bee business, you know. So two hives are better than one. How was that for a dog and bee transition? All right, Sherry. Hey, I wanted to talk about candy boards. Oh, my goodness. Wow. We are inundated with candy board orders and we are getting them out and uh (laughs) when do we find time to make candy boards who knows we're up here late at night early in the morning i found it a great source of heat to heat the house up (laughs) boiling this candy water all day long i wake up sometimes to you know how some people wake up to the smell of coffee and bacon and we smell we wake up to the smell of candy yeah, it does have a funny smell, too. I mean, it's kind of a sweet 
smell, I guess. But uh, wow, those have really been good. I want to put on my blog. I've got some uh, customers writing back in and showing me pictures of their bees eating these candy boards. And hey, I'm saving the bee population one candy board at a time. <laughs> I really think that if your bees are healthy and you have that, and you know, if they run out of food or they run low, if you have that candy board on there. They are not going to die in the wintertime. And especially, so important for people to realize, now's the critical time right now is before we get into the you know the floral time of spring. This is going to be critical uh, to keep those bees well fed. They're laying more. And as I said before, when a hive isn't, doesn't have any brood in it, they only eat three pounds of honey a month. But when they have brood in there, they're starting to lay more. They are consuming uh, resources like crazy, and they will actually die and starve out in the month of March. So do not think you're safe uh, in the month of March because your bees made it through winter. This is when they die. They're growing in population. They have got no food on board. So get some candy boards on there. Keep ordering them, and we'll keep making them. Uh, so uh, that's good. Well, how long does a candy board last? Well, and my my hives out here, it's lasting about three weeks to a month. If I go out there about two weeks and rotate it, because a cluster won't move, you got to rotate it to so the candy uh, that they haven't eaten is above them. It'll, it'll last about a month. Oh, okay. What do you mean you need to keep rotating it? Well, you know how you know the cluster is usually on one side of the hive. Uh, yeah. Like there's 10 frames, and so they'll be in one side. I've noticed that bees seem to gravitate on my uh, hives to the west side of the box. And I think it's because the sun in the afternoon produces maybe the most heat there, or maybe that's where the honey is. But I rarely find them on the east side, but on the west side of the hive, those five frames. And they'll eat all the candy board above those five, you know, half of the candy board. And when you... And I, they might go over on a warmer day, but it's so been so cold here. Good grief, you know. So I have to pick it up and rotate it so that that uneaten candy is above the cluster now. Mm-hmm. You know, we have another product, too, that's kind of um, the same kind of ideal, those um, new sugar patties yeah. we have. Yeah, with Honey Bee Healthy but, in them. Yeah, they have Honey Bee Healthy in them, and it's a sugar patty, and it's got the Honey Bee Healthy in it. It's kind of a real wet kind of product. Like Play-Doh but it's but it but it is still that Play-Doh consistency. So that's another option if people don't want to to go to the trouble to make or purchase a candy board. They can just buy the sugar patties, and then I then I suppose you just lay them on top of the, yeah, frames, the frames closest mm-hmm. to the cluster, right? And they'll eat through it. Yeah, that is good stuff, and it is sticky. But candy boards are good. So those of you that don't know about candy boards. Uh, uh, just uh, look on our website. You may want to get some. We make them for, for the full size for, uh, hives, and we make them for nukes as well. Nukes or nooks? Have we done that before? Well, they're nukes, but it, how, do you, how do people actually have nukes in the wintertime? Yeah, people overwinter nukes. Uh-huh, nukes. <laughs> how, do they, how do the little small nukes overwinter? Not well. Uh, well, you know, most people have to insulate them, like the tops. They'll stack them together. Uh, you have to feed them. It's just rare. I mean, in Illinois, 
If you don't feed that nook, it is not going to make it. So you got to, most people put frame feeders in there and pour sugar water in there. Well, what are these swarms that they've caught that haven't gotten big or they're too small a hive? Uh, Some people raise queens, you know, on a small scale. So they want these five frame nooks to make it through. And other people sell nooks. And their idea is that they can get, they can split these hives up into nooks, nooks in the, fall, then they get them through the winter in that state, then they can sell them in the spring. Okay. Um, and a, so a, a nook is a, short for a nucleus. Or a so nucleus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's a nucleus. Nucleus. A nucleus. So it's a nuke, huh? So it's a nuke. But I'm trying to explain what it is because um, I have a lot of questions. I answer the phone mainly, and I have a lot of people who call and say, what is it I don't understand? But it would be like the heart of a hive. Yeah. It would be a, a small hive that's got, well, it could have anywhere from three or four or five frames in it. Mm-hmm. And typically it's got a frame or two full of brood mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a frame full of honey and a, and a frame full of pollen. So it's a little mini yeah. nook. Mm-hmm. And you come and purchase that instead of a package. Mm-hmm. Which is just bees, so that's what the difference is. Yeah, that's right. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> uh, I think we've talked about the differences too, but you know, when we sell n- nukes, nooks, <laughs> uh, we have to really, you know, inspect them carefully through the state and all, because you're selling comb, which could, you know, brood. It could have brood disease. So every single frame has to be painstakingly inspected. So it's a lot of work. So. Uh, that's that's why they cost more. That is why they cost more. It is more work. Hey, I got a bunch of emails, Sherry. Should I read some to you? Mm-hmm. All right. Here, I won't say, I'll just say people's names. Suzanne says, David, I continue to love reading your blog. Thank you for your time and your effort you make to help us novice beekeepers learn more. Novice? 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 <laughs> <laughs> novice? <laughs> novice? <laughs> I have a newbie in my to my GPS. Is that a newbie? Would you stop? <laughs> <laughs> my hive survived the first winter. Yay. Yahoo! I hope your bees are surviving all the cold winter that you have had. I noticed that my hive can get rather wet inside. I live. Wow. She lives in the northwest, and she said they get a lot of rain. Not sure what normal wet would look like, but I wonder would a telescoping hive cover help reduce the moisture at all? And if so. Do the ones you sell come with an inner cover? Um, they do, they what do. is she what is she using if she doesn't if she's not using a telescoping top cover and inner cover now what is she using? I I assume you know some either she's made her own hives and she just has a plain piece of plywood on it or she might be using a, what we call a migratory top cover. I've got mm-hmm. some that I use. It's basically a flat piece of board that sits right on the it doesn't hang over you know. Um, so I'm assuming she's got something like that going on. And you never want rain on bees. Yeah, but she lives in the Pacific Northwest, so the temperature is going to be different there. So how does that affect uh, when it comes to the wa- to water? Yeah, that's right. And in, in, in the summer, you know, bees can tolerate a lot more moisture. Of course, uh, too much moisture in the hive, is, it could, you know, cause diseases or bacteria to grow, I mold. should say. We've yeah. seen a lot of mold. Yeah. Um, 
But, yeah, that's true. I mean, in Florida, there's beekeepers down there that have three-inch holes in the top for the feeder jars. And when, in the summer, when they take the feeder jars off, they don't plug those holes, and it rains on the bees. But in summer, I mean, Florida, when it rains, I mean, it always rains every few days sometimes. But the sun comes out and dries everything up immediately. So it depends on your climate. It sounds like if it's real wet there, I'd keep the bees drier. I vote let's go for the telescoping top cover. And no, uh, they don't come with inner covers. That's a separate thing because not everybody uses inner covers, but it would help. The combination of the inner cover and the top cover that we make actually has the, the grooves on it to help passive ventilation on the top. You know what I mean by passive ventilation, Sherry? Opposed to active ventilation. Oh, oh. So in other words, active ventilation would be you're actually using something to push it through, and yeah. passive means it's just let the bees do it yeah. if they want. Yeah, just let the bees do it passively, if you know, because they have a way to air condition their hive, and so ooh, that's how we do it. <clears throat> All right. Here is one from. Is the proper pronunciation Mar- Marcel? Sure. <laughs> I'm new to this and have been surfing internet sites for a month. Yours is by far the best. Thank you, uh, thank Marcel. You. I have yet to find a website a website more informative. Great job. And she's got great job in all caps. That's like, <laughs> great job. All your hard work and love for what you do shows right here. Thumbs up to all of you. And I hope to be doing business with you soon. Thanks again. What did you what did you what did you whisper to me? <laughs> All right. Sweet nothings because oh. of Valentine's oh, okay. Day. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. Oh, here's a here's another email that says, "Hello Long Lane Honey." Who's that? Me or you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe me I'm the honey, I guess. Long Lane <laughs> Seems funny. Okay. Here's a, he says, I'm a beekeeper from Denmark, and I have watched your videos about varora treatment with powdered sugar with interest. Here in Denmark, we normally treat against varora with drone brood removal in spring, antacid after the last honey removal, and acylic acid in the winter, winter time. time. <laughs> but I don't like the brood drone removal and the and acid treatments, and I'm very interested in treating my hives with powdered sugar instead. If you have time, could you please write a bit to me about your experiences? Does it work for you when you when do you treat your hive and how often? Yeah, we we do have that on our entire. Uh, we have a, a whole lesson on powdered yeah. sugar treatment, yeah. <clears throat> and I really can't take time to do it now, but. Uh, it, it works well. I mean, it's it's debated in the bee circles. Some people say it doesn't do a thing. Others say it's a miracle. And a lot of people in between, like me, that says, you know, it, why not do it? It, it does help. Um, but it's just basically putting powdered sugar when when you, when you don't have any honey supers on, either early spring or after you take the supers off in the summer, and putting one cup of powdered sugar in a deep high body and kind of sifting it, letting it fall through the frames, and get on the bees. Yeah, I think he wants to know more, though, about how how your experiences are. I mean, what what have you experienced as far as lowering the mites population and that sort of thing? Well, I, I'm kind of a maverick with that, you know, because to me, it doesn't. I don't really have mite problems because we do so much queen rearing that we're always breaking the mite cycle. So I just mites aren't an issue for me, and if they were, I'd be documenting my 
you know, getting rid of them more. But I rarely have uh, any kind of high numbers of mites on any of my hives. So it's, I'm not a good one to talk to. I haven't treated with powdered sugar for a couple of years now because our mites are next to zilch. But it, I think it does work and I would use it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, try it by all means. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to try to to get as organic as possible and it's a lot cheaper than those other things too so mm-hmm. you try it yep here's another one dear sherry and david she put your name first did, that, you, did you say sherry yeah that's your name <laughs> <laughs> it didn't sound like you said sherry. oh well maybe i didn't it's not like you said jerry or something like that. <laughs> how long I get, have we been married uh 30 years almost 30 years yeah all right dear sherry and david Hello, my husband and I are interested in starting raising bees for a hobby. I have a couple of questions. Number one, how long does Sherry's sweetheart deal last? Hmm. I'm a sweetheart most of the year. I think it's quite a deal. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when, when I decide to be a sweetheart, it is a deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll let it run for a while. In fact, uh, probably, I, I would say all the way through February, I imagine. Well... Perhaps. Oh, that's right. We're running out of bees. We may not be able to do it. Yeah, so it it may not last very long. Yeah, I calculated up that we might not, that we might run out of bees that we ship in the next 10 days, which is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll run it for a while. (laughs) Number two, uh, since we live in the mountains of Tennessee, south of you all, when... Would you send us the beehive and the bees? That's a good question. We send out the hives within, what, 10 days after people order them? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's going quicker than that this year. We've made a lot of changes that have really speeded Mm -hmm. things up. But because everybody decides to wait and buy them all on the same Tuesday in the month of February, then sometimes it, it does... Yeah, I, I don't care how small a company you are or how large a company you are, it can get to be 10 days behind. Yeah, and then the bees we ship out April the 27th <coughs> as a target date. But yeah, it looks like it's April the 27th this year, but we will let you all know by mail. And sure. we, yeah, we, we do have bees available for pickup, so keep that in mind too, those of you that may find yourself. Uh, with us not being able to provide you bees that we ship, you can always drive over and pick them up. And and you can live pretty far away. We've had people come from other states to pick up some bees. So if you live far away, you know you can save a buck on shipping and have them brought to you. I mean, you can come here and pick them up instead of having them brought to you. Okay, here's another email from Marlene. I placed an order for your bees several days ago. I have not received an email confirmation of the order, and I just want to verify <laughs> that the order was received, and I didn't do something dumb like enter my forgot to enter or enter my email address in incorrectly. And the reason I want to read this email, I was say, yeah. Why are you reading that email? Well, I, I've got that email so much from people. Hey, I didn't get a confirmation email. So I finally talked to our web store people and I said, you know, what can I do so I don't have to answer every single email? And she said, just click this little thing on your thing that says, you know, send a confirmation email. <laughs> <laughs> so, whew, did you click it? 
I clicked it, okay. and it's working. It's wonderful. Oh, sorry, Marlene. David didn't click the right button. Marlene is great, though, because she and other people finally got me to the place where I said, okay, i got to figure out how do people supposed to get an email. Yeah, that's true. You know, let us know. You know, if there's things that aren't working right or you don't understand, because that's how we know to fix things. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you what, it's it's far better if you call us. Yeah, I said than that. It is, than, than it is to email us, because it's, we just, David can get literally hundreds and hundreds of emails during the week. And there's just no way, especially this time of year, that he can possibly answer those. So so please call us and, and myself or our darling daughter, Karee, will try to help you over the phone. But let us know when there's glitches because that's how we know to fix them. Yeah, Karee is doing a great job, too, you know. Oh, yeah. All right, here's another one that's kind of cool. It says, we just wanted to let you know that we're very pleased with the candy boards. We checked the hive today, and it is doing very well, exclamation mark. <laughs> they are busy and all over it, consuming it. Check out our blog. We posted some info on them and our success with them. We have also added you as a blog we follow. I will share your contact info with anyone who wants to purchase them. And um, this is from Connecticut. <coughs> and can I get the blog out? I, I, I asked him. Why not. Oh, okay, yeah, I asked him if I could share this, and they said yes, so I got permission. Oh, okay. Well, then, then go right ahead. Since I have permission, can I share their name? Sure. Oh, yeah. Sure okay. It's in their blog. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is from Tim and Dawn. How do you say the last name, Sherry? Sotir? Sotir? S-O-T-I-R. This is, uh, they, Coon looks like Hall. it's from Coon Hollow Farm. Oh, that's cool. Oxford, Connecticut. And they have Connecticut. a, yeah, it's a real simple, um, a blog or a website. Yeah, yeah. a name. I, here. I did click on the um, I did click on the the blog because they have a reference and they did show a picture of our candy board that we sent them and everything. It's Coon Hollow Farm. That's C O O N H O L L O W F A R M dot blogspot dot com, or you can just go to Coon Hollow Farm CT dot com. But Tim and Don tried one of the candy boards and liked it, and they had a picture of it, and the bees were all over it, and it's like, woohoo, yeah. that's neat. Yeah, so, that's nice. Yeah, thanks for that email. Pretty all right, nice. here's one more, Sherry. Oh, you're going to read the whole thing? Well, oh my gosh, that's six pages. No, no, I think, let me see. Mm. Oh, I love this one. I get asked this all the time. You know, I teach, I mean, I share... Sometimes when I go out and speak, I speak on sustainability and beekeeping and changing the dominant paradigm of beekeeping. And when I do that, a lot of people... What did that mean? Well, what do you think it meant? (laughs) What is a dominant paradigm of beekeeping? What did that mean? How to change the ways you've been doing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It just didn't sound right in a PowerPoint presentation. How to change the way you've been keeping your bees. I just know you sound a little more intelligent when you say changing the model or changing the paradigm of beekeeping. <laughs> I got the, uh, look, I, I got changing the model. I, I look like the, such a country. What did you call it? The paradigm of, what did you call it? I don't know if I can say it again. <laughs> changing the dominant the dominant paradigm of beekeeping. The dominant paradigm of bee. What is the dominant paradigm? I don't understand. I look like such a, such a uh, country hick. That if, if I don't talk better, then people won't trust me. <laughs> but do you, what is the uh, 
Oh, don't make me go into it. You have to come to one of my. You're gonna see. You could have came to my talks and heard it. And now I'm not going to let you have it for well, free. I had to stay home and take care of your child. <sighs> you, uh, you were playing with your chickens. <laughs> 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 I was on a um, some kind of a nature podcast recently, and I gave that talk. So you can go online and listen to it. Oh, okay. Well, where's that located? I have no idea. No. <laughs> I don't know. But it's online. It's uh, changing the dominant model of beekeeping dominant or the dominant paradigm. So I give this talk, and what I say in this talk is, I say this, Sherry, I say, I say, and I'll give you a little bit of, I'll whet your appetite on it. Oh, yeah. I'll say, you know, you can't just go into beekeeping and think that you're going to be this rich millionaire beekeeper like Burt Bees became by selling a few jars of honey out of the back of your trunk at at, at the farmer's market, you know. Um, okay, so that's <clears> the <throat> prominent paradigm. Honey yeah, scaling. predominant. Yeah, the predominant. Predominant. Yeah, the predominant uh, paradigm is that you have one hive that makes honey, and you sell that honey, and you go woohoo. Then you have two, then you have three, then you have four, then you have four hundred, and finally you sell in barrels of honey to big companies, and you're making millions of dollars. Well, that's people do that, but it's that's hard and it's rare. Yeah, it's very few. Yeah, very few people do that. Right. Uh, so. My changing the dominant model is that uh, you need to have a lot of different avenues and ventures, venues, and in, in, in beekeeping like we do. We sell queens and equipment and uh, teach lessons, teach. I mean, you know, we have a whole different avenues of, of, of approach. And that's what beekeepers need to do today. I think a lot of bee, I think more beekeepers need to do what we do. Don't do it near us. <laughs> you gotta leave it, live at least a hundred miles away. We might feel like you're encroaching on our business. I don't care, but you know. Um, but I think more people could do that, and it would help beekeepers if they had somebody close by like us in their area. Well, and that's the that's the uh, dominant paradigm for f- farming. It, that's true. In general, they they have yeah. to go from yeah. the ideal of having one monoculture of one type of crop. That, in order to be sustainable, you really do have to yeah. branch out and do all sorts of different, you know, have different animals, different crops, yeah. you know, some organic things you take to the farmer's market or there's other things that you you do to, to be right. more self-sustainable in farming. So this email is one I like to answer because I, I, I have this message that my, my answer, Sherry, is copy and paste. I get asked it so often. So I've got a little file with the answer, and I just copy it and paste it in an email and change the name. And so I thought I'd share it on the podcast. People write me, like this fellow did. His name is Mark, and he says he lives in Kentucky. He will be start. He says, we'll be starting our sixth year and want to transition over from a hobby to a sideliner business to eventually a full-time business. We have ten hives now, and over the next few years want to grow and expand. What would be your expert opinion on the number of hives I would need to do this. How did you do it? What uh, want to do nook sales, a few queens, also comb honey. So he's asking, how many hives do I have to to have to make enough honey to make a living off my hives? And again, um, mm, it would take. Hundreds of hives to make a living. You know, what's a living? You know, is it $30,000 for you or is it $130,000? Depends. But, you know, if you're going to make, if you're going to try to make $50,000 off honey sales a year, you're going to have to have 
maybe close to a thousand hives or more to make that kind of cleared profit. And uh, that's going to take a lot of work. Uh, so I would not want to make a living off honey. In fact, I know this sounds kind of negative, but you might go broke trying to make a living off honey if you have a bad year. Yeah, I mean, this year we had far less yeah, honey we than we have before. But, Everybody did. But honey for <laughs> us is more of a... We we can sell a lot of honey. We really can sell a lot of honey. We have a lot of regular customers that come here on the property, and we've never had to go to, you know, farmer's markets and those kinds of things. We can sell a lot of honey. But it has become more of a novelty item, I think, than than anything else. Yeah, because we raise queens... Uh, you know, our honey production, we we need our honey to raise queens. And so our, our bees are eating our honey and our queen production. So we don't produce as much honey as we once did. When, But I think this year we're going to change that because our customers are just crying at our doorstep. They're camped out there in tents waiting for spring. <laughs> they've got their little, they brought their jars back. They're out there in their winter coats waiting, you know. And they actually do call you and say, "Are you got any honey yet?" And it's like, well, "Do you see a flower?" Well, I guess it. I guess one way to look at it is, if if you want to make money with honey, you can use a simple formula of saying, "Well, a hive can produce anywhere from fifty pounds to a hundred pounds of honey," and depending on where you live, you can sell that from anywhere from two dollars a pound to four dollars a pound. So that would mean that you can make anywhere from $100 a hive to $400 a hive and mm-hmm. then go from there. Right. So if you're thinking to yourself, I want to make, you know, $20,000, then, do the you math, know, do right? the math. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And certainly you can make more money selling products of the hive like bees or queens or even wax sometimes. Too, if you combine all that, you're you're going to make more money. So that's why I say you need to venture out, change that dominant model, and don't just try to live off the honey. Have a lot of different things that you're going to live on out of the hive too. Hey Sherry, one of the things I wanted to do in our let me give a pause here in case we want to put a little bit of music here. <laughs> if I just keep rambling on, and when we put music in different transition spots, I don't have any room to cut it, put the music in there. all right well this is live all right all right hey you know this is a whole bunch of little what do you call these index cards yeah what what are you doing with all these cards i've done this for two years now these this is studying for my master beekeeper course and i've put all all the information and books i've ever read i put index cards i have to memorize these thousands of index cards so you read information in books, yes. and then you take the information out of books and put it on index cards, and then you read the index cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sherry, how can I tote 5,000 books around at one time? It's easier to tote 5,000 index cards. <laughs> That's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, kind of. Like, like I'll give you some examples. Here's an example of an index card to prepare me for the test. Factors that regulate development of wax glands. Do you know what that would be? Say that again? Yeah. See, this might be a question. Factors that regulate development of wax glands. And the the simple answer is the age of the bee. They only produce uh, wax between days, what, 9 and 12. Uh, The amount of nectar in, uh, the, the amount of nectar or honey 
and their stomach determines, you know, regulates the development of wax glands and the need for comb. Those three things, you have to give all three answers. Age of the bee, amount of nectar or honey in the stomach, a need for comb. Well, I guess that makes sense, but I don't know. What What are the two types of dances that bees do? Um, well, your card says round and waggle. <laughs> <laughs> you sound shocked. Well, I knew that they did like a... Every dance has a waggle to it, well, yeah. right? I mean, I, I knew they did a dance to tell everybody else where the flowers were, but I didn't know that anybody had actually come up with names for their dances. <laughs> <laughs> so you're too simple. Somebody probably got a billion-dollar grant to put these names. Uh, no, I, I, the history of it goes back a ways. But, you know, when there's something 100 meters or less, like a flower or a nectar source, 100 meters or less... From the hive, they do the round dance, which basically says, hey, I can't tell you how to get there. It's too close. But I sprayed it with some pheromone. You're going to be able to smell my where I was. You'll find it. Go out there, and they'd go round and round and round. Waggle dance is when, they, when it's more than 100 meters, and there's three answers to this. They provide the source. They, they bring a source back during the waggle dance and let you taste it. They give direct... <laughs> they do. Like those... Like those people at, at the Sam's Club who give out the little samples, <laughs> you know, at, at the little cases, yeah. you know, like they'll right. give you like a little taste of a, the, yeah. a new burrito or, oh, yeah. a, or a little sandwich. That's what the bees do. That, that's right. <laughs> it is. And sometimes at Sam's Club when I'm hungry and they give out those things, I waggle. Oh, woo-hoo. I waggle to the next work, food station. I'm like, hey. But, you know, when I'm ever at Sam's, they don't, they, they're empty. She's cooking, and they're like, where's the food? I know it. She's standing there, and she's like, well, it's you'll have to wait. And yeah, it's like, I, I can't it. wait. Wow, some of that's really good. I wonder if people go up to the front and get a Coke and then just go back and sample at lunch. But <laughs> source and direction, they give the direction. They're very good at that. And the other one is the distance. I remember I asked you this question once, and you got all three right. You know, what What do they communicate during the waggle dance? Well, I, I know what they communicate, but I just didn't know that there was one for short distance and one for long distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen them do that round thing. We used to have an observation hive yeah. out in the store, and you could sit there and you could watch them. They just spin like crazy in a circle, and they yeah. just go round and round and round, and you're like, oh, that's a schizo bee you got in there. There's something <laughs> wrong with it, but that's what it's doing. Yeah. It's just going Yeah, the brown dancer saying, oh, David, put some... Sugar water in the yard. They're not in the yard out there. Sugar water. They just do a little circle. Yeah, they're having a sugar buzz. Oh, hygienic behavior. Detect. Right, there's three steps to hygienic behavior. Detect abnormal brood. Number two, remove cap of a normal abnormal brood. And number three, clean it out. <laughs> number three, remove larva or pupa of abnormal brood. Yeah. So, you know, this is, I'll just do a few more here. Okay, this is fun. This is what I sit around and do and memorize these things. Characteristics of an Africanized bee. There's um, four of them. They okay. come after you and and kill you. Oh, don't say that. Bees don't kill you. <laughs> they could, but they don't, they're not going to kill you. That's what all those TV shows are. The killer bees. Yeah. Well, that's true. Number one, um, they react sooner than the European bees. And number two, they attack in larger number. Mm-hmm. 
And number three, they pursue longer. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, and and number four, they remain defensive longer. Mm-hmm. So an Africanized hive, as soon as you walk out the door, <laughs> they attack you, and uh, they attack in larger numbers, and they pursue you longer means that you can walk away for ten miles and they're still pursuing you, mm. and you go back the next day and they're still mad at you. Mm. I mean, these are so these are just some. Um, Get get rid of any Africanized bees. Call us and we'll send you a nice gentle queen in June of next year, of this year. Mm-hmm. You got one more? Yeah, lots more. I got 5,000 more. I, I put my books down on index cards. <laughs> uh, let me see if I find one real quick here. Mm-hmm. This is all about honey here. All right. Good grief. I had to shuffle these. <laughs> I'm in the honey section, huh? Oh, the melting temperature of, of wax. Uh, melting temperature of wax? Water boils at what? 210. Really? 210. Depending on the barometric pressure and your altitude. So... So, things would melt before water boils. And so we can get wax to melt in the solar wax. I don't don't know. 145 degrees. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Honey versus sugar. So, uh, honey has vitamins. Sugar doesn't. Does that surprise you? No. Honey has more calories. Sugar has less calories. No, that doesn't surprise me either, but you can get you can use less honey than sugar. Yeah, right. How about tooth decay? Which one's worse? Um Um I guess I'd say sugar. Nope, they're both the same. Well, your teeth fall out as soon as you eat it. It's one of them the same bad on your teeth. <laughs> sugar is sugar and rots your teeth from out your mouth. <laughs> I eat both. <laughs> Honey rotted my top ones out and the sugar rotted my bottom ones out. And I got no teeth at all. Well, if you just brushed your teeth like your mama said, you wouldn't have problems at all with tooth decay. If I brush my teeth every time I eat honey, I'd be brushing all day long. Uh, what about diabetes? Mm, well, I don't know what your little card says, but I've had people have said it both ways. We've had some people who say, no, you know, my, my doctor said honey was the same as sugar when it came to diabetes. And then we've had other people who've said, oh, no, my doctor said that because I have diabetes, the only thing I can eat is honey. So what does your book say? Consult your doctor. <laughs> when when someone asks, you know, would this be okay if I have diabetes, eat this honey? You say, well, you have to talk to your doctor about that. You know, we just can't give out any. Oh, this is kind of fun. Apistan strips for controlling what type of pest? Mites. What what type of mites? Little white ones. <laughs> there are little white ones. <laughs> no, they're for varora mites. There are little white varroa mites. Um, they're plastic impregnated strips of fluvial. I never can say that word. Flavonate. Uh, 
fluvalinate. I can't say it now. I practice it now and lose it. You treat it in the spring, in the fall, with no supers on, one strip for five frames. you got to know all this stuff, Sherry. Isn't that awful? you got to take that stuff out. You know, oh, know. we we had a, there was a beekeeper that lived not too far from us, and um, we found out that he was throwing those strips in there and not taking them out, and they were in there for years, and... That's awful when beekeepers are sloppy like that, and they they're yeah, not they're not is. following proper protocol, which is which it, it can be done if you're the kind who's got a lot of beehives in a lot of different places, and you you can't get to all of them, and you need to manage your things better, your hives better, so that you don't have that kind of problem. Yeah, that's true. There's also <laughs> another pest that nobody talks about anymore, and it's still out there a little bit. It's not a real threat, but it's a bee louse. <gasps> I never heard of a bee louse. Yeah, a bee louse. Is it anything like a bed bug? Actually, it is. Uh, it's similar. It's um, It has six legs. Mice have eight, of course. It lays eggs on the cappings of honey in the months of May, June, and July. Uh, young louse burrow into the cappings, tunneling around uh, and... Uh, there's they larva they had there's larva and they pupate inside these tunnels in the comb, in the cappings. They uh, feed on regurgitated honey. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even that's without a teeth. Gone, oh, we do. <coughs> yeah, and how do you what do you do to control them? Strong colonies, the bee louse. Huh. Yeah. That's probably something that's not a big deal. Not a big deal. I mean, nah, not really. Can be, but it's not. I think people forget to realize that in our environment all the time, no matter where you are, indoors or outdoors, there's always minutia of little microscopic mites and louses and yeah, and things yeah. around and they sound gross, but you know, that's just part of that's just part of our world. That's just part of nature. Yeah, I'll do two more. How's that, hon? Um, I was calling you, hon, not the listener. <laughs> Tracheomites. It is. It is Valentine's Day. That, that's true. Yeah, and you got your red house coat on. <laughs> you didn't want me to say that, did you? Tracheomites. Where would you find a tracheomite, Sherry? In your tracheal. <laughs> yeah, not my trachea, but a trachea of a bee, trachea. Not always, but yeah, that's right. Um, tracheomites, there are four impacts they have on the bees. In fact, I'm probably more concerned about tracheomites killing bees in the winter than I am any other thing at all. Beekeepers lose their bees in the winter because of tracheomites and don't know it because you can't see them. They're too small. They're inside the bee. So here's how you go about um, testing for tracheomites. Collect bees and alcohol and remove the head and the front legs of the bee. Cut the prothoracic collar from the tracheal tube to expose the tracheal tubes. Then you put them under a microscope and look for mites. But nobody's going to do that. You can send them to a lab to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. I think right. we. I, I think it's time to say goodnight. Oh, well, I was having so much fun. Oh, it is fun. It is fun. We had fun. We have fun. It's nice to talk to people out there, even though 
we we don't hear them talking back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But here in our log cabin in the middle of the woods and the snow, we like to think that there are people out there. <laughs> yeah, we're about going crazy, man. We are we are so cooped up, ready for spring, aren't we, Sherry? <laughs> well, we want to thank you for joining us here at Long Lane Honeybee Farms. Check us out on the website at Long Lane. No. Honeybeesonline.com, and Sherry's starting a new website for women. That'll be coming up soon. It will be. It's going to be ladybeekeepers.com, but I haven't got anything on there yet, but soon, soon. Yep. Call us, 217-427-2678, to order those candy boards, beekeeping equipment, supplies that we make, bees. Get on the ball as spring is coming. That's uh, 217-427-2678. And that's about all that we can tell you. Happy Valentine's Day. See you later. Bye-bye.